and welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions or like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email me, Pastor Eric, at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. Thanks for listening. Let's get growing. Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Eric. Because of the inclement weather this week, our offices were closed for a couple of days, and we were unable to record with Pastor Ben and Tim, our youth director. And so today on the podcast, it's just going to be me finishing up our conversation about New Year's resolutions. If you haven't listened to the first part, I would go back and listen to that first. It was about a 25-minute conversation. And Pastor Ben, Tim, and myself discussed New Year's resolutions, why we like or dislike them. And one of the main themes that we came out with, there were a couple things that we discussed. The first one is that we are people who need to restart. We have a God who loves to forgive, who offers forgiveness, who's always willing to forgive us. And so, especially as Lutherans, we practice confession and forgiveness. And it's very, very important to us and to our spirituality to practice confession and forgiveness. And this is a way that we can restart with God. We can restart in the day. We can restart in the week when we do confession and forgiveness during the worship service. And this is a a tradition that transcends Lutheranism. It's wider than just our particular tradition. It can be found all over the Christian world. And in fact, even in the Eastern Church, the Eastern Orthodox Church, uh, which is our brothers and sisters in Christ in the eastern part of the world, the kind of dominant uh, denomination there is the Eastern Orthodox Church. And they have Eastern Orthodox writers, early writers, who have said that life is a continual act of repentance, that every day we repent before God and we receive his forgiveness. And this is tied in with the fact that Jesus calls us to die to ourself, to pick up our cross and follow him. And so the way that we understand living the Christian life and the way that we understand discipleship, the way that we understand spirituality is actually a putting to death our flesh, deciding that we're going to renounce what we want, renounce what we desire, renounce what our bodies tell us that we need, and we seek Jesus first. We renounce safety, we renounce comfort, and we pursue Jesus with all our hearts. And so this idea of restarting is is an ancient one for Christians. And it goes all the way back to the scriptures that we every day take time to restart and reconnect with God. And he's always happy to do that. And so that's connected with this idea of New Year's resolutions that we can, and it's good for us to start over, to reestablish ourselves, to reestablish new practices and some of those things so that we can be better, so we can follow Jesus better, so that we can create more roads more paths for God to transform us and to give us his grace. And the second thing we talked about is not only is this restarting good, but when we make plans, we need to start with a process. We need to not have some grandiose idea of what we can do in the short term, but we need to trust that if we do something day in and day out, that it will in fact change us. So we discuss things like running. Pastor Ben gave the example that he's picking up running again, and he can't 
just decide that he's going to run a marathon in March. He has to start with the baseline. He has to reestablish the practice and the pattern of running regularly. And then after he's run regularly for a while, then you can add on to that time. You can add on to that distance and you can develop your running that way. And that's the way it is with everything. We just have to take it day by day and we have to make a decision to trust the process. That if we go 1-0 for the day, if we just win the dang day, then we know that long-term those goals will be met. We have to trust that the process will produce change in us long-term. And that was a great conversation, and I really do encourage you to go back and listen to it if you haven't already. And we closed off that conversation by discussing things that you can do if you're a new believer or if you uh, are just re-entering into the church, reconnecting with the church. And one of the practices that we said in this new year that you can establish that would be healthy and good for you is Sabbath, is rest. Most of us tend to work, 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 and then we are gluttons of rest. So we have these extremes where we put in lots of hours, we work really, really hard for weeks, and then we have these crashes where we have to get, where we get sick, we have to take several days off. And God designed us to rest every week. He designed us to take a break every week, to recharge every week. And so the practice of Sabbath, taking a day where you don't work and disconnecting from work, disconnecting from the world. And so one of the best ways to do that is to not look at your emails, not answer um, any phone calls, not answer any text messages that have to do with work, Um, disconnecting from social media if you can, and just getting away from all of that and really resting, finding rest in God, focusing on God for that day. And the nice thing is that that doesn't preclude doing things like yard work. So if you are someone who enjoys doing yard work and that recharges you, you can't do it now because there's lots of snow on the ground. But if you're someone who enjoys doing yard work or enjoys doing housework, if you put aside all the distractions and you disconnect from the world, not only working on your yard or working on your project, on your hobby, but also praying and spending time with God, then that is rest. That can be recharging. And connected with Sabbath is most people have Sunday off. Not everybody does. We understand that. But most people have Sunday off. And so connected with Sabbath is going and participating in worship services at church. That's an important part of the Christian life. We are a people who are gathered and scattered. We are a people who are brought together to worship. We are brought together to be reformed and reshaped. We are brought together to learn. And then we are sent out into the world to disciple and transform it. And so those two things, if you're a new believer or if you're just reconnecting with the church for the first time, those are two practices that you can do that will that will get you on your way toward discipleship. Those are things that you can do that will create inroads for God to give you his grace and to give you the means of grace and then therefore transform you. So resting, Sabbathing, and also worshiping, attending worship services and worshiping with your fellow believers. And today I want to talk about what are some of those practices that people who maybe who uh, do attend church on a regular basis, they are Sabbathing on a regular basis, and they feel like they're ready to grow a little bit more, they want a little bit more uh, for their spiritual life, some of the practices that they can do. So the first practice that's pretty simple um, that a lot of people want to do and most people aren't great at doing is reading scripture. So we believe here that the word of God is powerful, that the word of God uh, is inspired, that the word of God has authority over our lives. And if we engage in the word of God, then it will do something to us. 
And so as we read through, especially the Psalms, which are human words in response to God's words, there are a lot of Psalms about the law of God or the instruction of God. And that's another way of saying the scriptures. So when most of the Psalms were written, they had the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And they had probably several other books as well, but they didn't quite have the fully formed Old Testament when they wrote those Psalms. So they would use the word law, the word Torah, which really meant the first five books of the Bible. And according to these Psalms, happiness and joy and blessing comes from reading these scriptures and participating and listening to God through them and meditating on them, dwelling on them, spending time with them. And so if you are someone who doesn't yet have a plan of reading the scriptures, then I would encourage you to pick that up. And there are a couple great resources that you can use. One is called uh, Read Scripture, and it's an application that you can download on your phone. And it's produced, I, I believe that the Read Scripture program was started and developed by Francis Chan. And it's in partnership with a group called The Bible Project, which produces animated short films, short videos that explain the broader narrative of biblical books and connect them together. And so you open up this application and it's designed to be read in a year, which is a lot for some people. So you don't need to do it at that pace. You can take twice that long. You can take less than that, but you can go on and you click day one and it pulls up Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And you watch the video about Genesis, but the first part of Genesis, it explains the major characters. It explains the major themes. It explains the narrative structure and it explains how to read Genesis well. And then you read through Genesis 1, 2, and 3 right there on the application. And then it also gives you a psalm to read every day. And they have this designed to be read in a year. It's doable. It just takes a little bit of discipline, a little bit of work. The nice thing is that this this application is not set up to read January 1, January 2, January 3, etc. It says day one, day two, day three. So you can start at any time and it also keeps track as you read them. It'll check them off for you so you'd kind of know where you're where you're at. And the big thing with with reading scripture is that if you fall off the horse, you just get back on and you keep going. You just pick up where you left off and you you try to catch up as best as you can. So the best way to do that is or you, you forget one day, the next day is really busy and you just don't get to it. Suddenly you're six or seven chapters behind. Well, then the following day, just just start where you left off. And instead of just reading three chapters, read four. Just read a little bit extra and you'll, that'll catch you up eventually. But don't feel too, too much pressure because uh, we don't believe that reading the Bible in a year or reading the Bible in two years or reading the Bible in six months gets you to heaven. Uh, God doesn't work that way. He doesn't see our good deeds and then save us. So you don't need to put pressure on yourself. It's for your benefit. God has given you his word for your benefit. And so it should be a joy as you as you go through that. The next thing that you can do as as a believer who's maturing and developing is, is develop your prayer life. And the best way to develop your prayer life, and this is going to um, sound... A little bit repetitive, so I apologize for that, but my conscience is held captive to the Word of God. So the best way to develop your prayer life is to read and memorize psalms. And so just take one psalm. You could even flip through and pick shorter psalms, and you just read them, make the words your own. Uh, a practice that I do because I'm not, I don't feel particularly strong in prayer or strong in intercession, but what I enjoy doing and what I find um, helps me connect with God through prayer is I open up to the psalm that I'm reading that day as I go through my Bible reading plan. And I read through the psalm once, and then I go back 
and I read the first line or the first couplet or the first couple verses, and then I make the words my own. So instead of just repeating what the psalm says, I take the ideas, I take the images that the psalm uses, the, the emotions that the psalm uses, and I make the words my own. I apply it to my situation. And sometimes it's easier than others because some of the psalms have pretty strong emotions and sometimes you just don't feel that. Um, but that's okay. You can find another psalm. You can do that. Um, there's really no rules about how we engage with the psalms. There's ways that, that make it better. And I think that regular reading through the psalms, 1 through 150, is the best way to do it. It, but that's you don't necessarily have to do that. The another way to increase your prayer life, we have in our bulletins every week, we have a prayer request list. And another great way to connect to God through prayer is to take that prayer list and to pray and intercede for those people who need prayer. Uh, that's another great way to do it. So you have that and you can just, if the list is long, you can just pick a couple people a day, pray for them. Even if you don't know the situation, you can pray or you can go through the whole thing every single day. So those are a couple of tools to begin and to increase your prayer life that maybe you haven't quite thought of yet. Um, So use the Psalms and also use the resource that our church gives, which is our prayer request list. Or if you have some other application that you can use that you can have prayer requests or get prayer requests, that sort of stuff. So if you're a developing believer, that's what you can do. The last thing that I want to give about developing believers, the last idea, the last practice is think about this year, how you can host more people at your house for meals, for desserts, for games, for cards, and those sorts of things. So we live in a society where for the most part, people drive home from work and their garage doors open up and they go into their garage the door closes and they can walk right into their house from their garage. And especially during the winter, we don't get outside very often. We don't go on walks very often. We're not out in our yards. And so our connection with our neighbors, the people who are actually physically right around us, is is very little. And so a way to counteract that is to open up your home to have people there. And that can be feel a little awkward. And so I would say maybe start with people that you know pretty well, even if you don't know them super well. So don't ask your friends over uh, for dinner because you probably have them over already. But ask people who maybe you know, but you're not quite very close with. Have them over for dinner or have them over for dessert or invite them over for cards or for games or whatever. And the practice of opening up, preparing your home um, for guests, opening up your home for guests actually helps you develop a better attitude towards strangers and towards outsiders. And it also forces you to pick up your house more often, which is a good practice anyway. So there's a couple of things that go along with that. But host people at your house, have them over for meals that maybe you don't know super well. Or if they can't come over, but they want you to come to their house, do it. So get outside of your comfort zone a little bit. Not with your closest friends, but maybe with people you know, but don't know super well. And connected with this practice of hosting and being around other people, another way to think about, another thing to think about is joining a life group here at New Life. So we have several life groups that meet right now that currently meet. And if you want to grow in your spiritual life, that's a good way to do it because you're getting connected with other believers. You're getting connected with the word of God with other believers. You're praying for one another. You're chatting with one another. And then you're also doing this 
going to people's houses that maybe you don't know so well, or maybe even hosting uh, a life group at your house and having people in your home that maybe you don't know quite so well. And so that's another connected practice is being part of a life group. And if you want to be part of a life group, you can just send me an email or give me a call and I'll get you connected with what we have available now. So those are some of the things that you can do if you are maturing believer, you feel comfortable with, um, maybe not comfortable, but you feel okay with how you're reading scripture. Maybe you're going through a good devotional and you want to take another step in God's grace and you want to experience God in a different way. Those are some things you can do. Develop that prayer life through the Psalms, maybe increase your scripture reading, having people over or maybe going to people's houses that you don't know quite so well, maybe even your neighbors, and then also joining a life group, being part of those. The last category that I want to think about is those people who are developed in the faith and they feel very comfortable with their prayer life. They feel very comfortable with their scripture reading. Uh, maybe maybe these are people who are in leadership in their churches or here at New Life and they've, they're what I would call disciple makers. They've moved from just being developed. Now they are developing others. So for the more developed disciples, um, and maybe you'd be uncomfortable categorizing yourself with that. Um, and maybe that's, and that's a good thing. And, uh, but if, if you feel comfortable with your prayer life, comfortable with your scripture reading, there are a few things that you can do that will, again, increase God's grace to you this, this year in 2019. And there's really the biggest thing that I think that people who are developed disciple makers can do is begin increasing their opportunities to have conversations with, to interact with, to talk with non-believers. If you go to work with non-believers, you probably have your work conversations, but they probably don't go very deep. You maybe connect with other believers at your work and you have good conversations. But for the most part, we tend to stick to people that believe like us, that think like us, that talk like us, that act like us. And so I would want to challenge those people who are developed disciple makers to invite non-believers over to their house for meals. Invite their neighbors who are different from them over to have a barbecue or over to have some dessert, some brownies, whatever it is, some coffee in the evening, but invite and be around people who don't believe like you. You could also do this. You could go do trivia night at a bar or go be part of some event at a third space, like a coffee shop or a bar or a restaurant that you don't normally go to. Find opportunities to rub shoulders with non-believers and go do it. And be confident and comfortable with having hard, good conversations with them. If you have coworkers that don't believe in Jesus that you feel comfortable chatting with, begin talking to them, not necessarily about Jesus or scripture, but begin asking questions about their life. One of my favorite tools is the Dr. Phil question. I'm not a huge Dr. Phil fan, but when someone's talking to them about how they try to live or some of their problems, he just goes, well, how is that working for you? And I love that question. How is that working for you? That's a great evangelism question. As people have concerns that are going on as they try are trying their best, you just simply can ask, and how is that working for you? And for the most part, people are going to say, not that well. It's not, things are not going very well for a lot of people. And that gives you an opportunity that gives you a doorway to say, well, I've, this is what I've experienced. And this is how Jesus empowered me, saved me, 
transformed me through this experience. So the kingdom of God can't expand, can't grow, unless we interact with people who don't believe like us, unless we interact with and are around people who don't, who are not part of the kingdom. And so that would be my challenge in 2019. If you're a mature believer, an experienced believer, I would say go out there, rub shoulders with non-believers, have them in your house, invite them to your home. Um, if you find someone in need in your community, maybe even let them let letting them stay at your house for a couple days until they can find some other way to um, find a place to stay. I would say opening up your home and interacting with non-believers is one of the best practices that you can do in 2019 if you are a mature, developed believer. Well, that's it, guys. I hope you have a great 2019. I hope that you can take some of these practices, begin putting some effort behind them. And if you have any questions or need any pointers, that's what I'm here for. As the discipleship pastor, my passion is to help people connect with God in new and powerful ways and to grow in their faith and to form their faith to be more like Jesus. So if you want ideas, if you need some help, if you uh, need some pointers, just give me a call or shoot me a text or send me an email and I would love to chat with you guys. Thank you so much for listening in. Have a great day. You don't know what you need.